0: My name's Charlie, and one of my London walks is called How the West End Was Won, a John Nash production. And if that title intrigues you, then listen on, and I'll tell you a bit more about it. John Nash is kind of famous as an architect. We talk about Nash Terraces, these Regency lines, um, particularly around Regent's Park. But for me, Nash was much more of a master planner than an architect. And by that, I mean someone who really understood how to put together all the different elements that are needed to make a city work. And he got the opportunity to do this with a commission which he won during the Napoleonic Wars, effectively to relay the West End of London. The Crown Commissioners, people who were acting for the monarch, understood the opportunity when a piece of land up in Marlborough fell at the end of its lease, available for development. It had been used as agricultural land, but now they could see it was on the very edge of aristocratic London, and it was a great opportunity to build out an extra part of the wealthy west end of the city. The problem was that it was not at all connected to the city's centre. And so the project was not just about building new homes around this piece of land, but carving what became a processional way from it all the way down to Charing Cross at the heart of London. Um, John Nash won a competition to do this design and I think what was underpinning it was his understanding of these different elements that would make the new West End work. Yes, you've got this line which has survived uh, from Charing Cross turning a corner up lower Regent Street, Regent Street, Portland Place and then along the east side of Regent's Park itself till you get to what is now the zoo. But... It was more than just putting up some Nash terraces around the edge of this piece of parkland. He had a line of shops running down Regent Street. He had at the bottom of it a cultural and scientific quarter in his mind, at least. There was already a theatre there, which he relocated, an opera house. He put up two clubs where the, if you like, the literary, artistic and scientific worlds were supposed to mingle he had a new headquarters for the Royal College of Physicians, and he wanted to put a new square, which became eventually Trafalgar Square, next to all this, in the middle of which he wanted the Royal Academy and some great art. That, of course, never quite happened, but we got the National Gallery on the edge of the new square, neither of which Nash actually lived to see uh, completed. But as well as all the posh stuff, he understood that that had to be supplied. And at the top end, alongside Regent's Park, he had a canal running in parallel. And at the end of it, his idea was that there should be three markets. A hay market, to, if you like, to fuel the transport of London, the horses, a fruit and veg market, and a fish and meat market. Only the hay market ever got built, although actually the squares in which those markets were to happen all still exist today. So he had this sense of a complete piece of city and I guess the measure of how successful he was is that 200 years later it's pretty much there intact and In building it, he also wanted to make a harsh division between the nobility, as he called them, on the west side and what he said was the trading part of the community on the east. And to a large extent, that is something that we can still see. On the west, Mayfair, Marlborough, On the east, Soho and Fitzrovia. Perhaps they're not as clear-cut as they were then, but you can still very much feel the difference. And that's one of the things that I want you to experience if you come on the walk with me, because I have um, a very sudden change of mood between those two different segments of the community, which you still feel on the ground today. If you want to stick with me for a few more minutes, it's worth, I think, trying to think out... Who else has tried to be as ambitious as Nash in reshaping a key element of our capital city? And it's quite difficult, really, to think of examples. I'm going to be a little bit provocative. Maybe King Alfred did this in the City of London um, in basically rebuilding something which had fallen into Decay when the Romans left. Uh, And some of the shape that he gave to London then is still there today, and the main roads coming into Cheapside, there's still elements of the port that he wanted just down below that. But who else has managed it? We had a great fire in London in the 1660s. What an opportunity to redesign a city which had basically grown up, higgledy-piggledy over centuries, and was really quite a mess to get through. Uh, Christopher Wren, among others, designed a really lovely looking new baroque city with a set of streets which were on a perfect grid pattern. It never got built. Um, there was too many difficulties in terms of getting hold of the land um, and being able to Create an ownership which would have allowed for the sort of Wren design. But where else has it happened? It's hard to think. Uh, One example you might pick out would be uh, Abercrombie's plan uh, at the end of the Second World War for London. Um, And it was at a time when planners were very fixed on trying to separate out the business and residential parts of a community something i think we're trying to reverse today when we're thinking that work and and home have much more merged back together of course they were working at a time when there was still a lot of heavy industry when there were still power stations belching out coal smoke in the middle of london But I don't think Abercrombie really reshaped the city in the way he would have liked, and perhaps we are fortunate that that never happened. Perhaps there are elements of that, some of his estates were built, but I would say he hasn't left an imprint which we can recognise today. If I'm going to be perhaps a little provocative, I would pick on just one other example where the city is possibly being reshaped by uh, that kind of master planning. And that would be uh, around the Olympic Park in East London, the Olympic and Paralympic Park, which connects with some of the original plans for redeveloping Stratford, like a big new shopping centre at Westfield. But adds onto it not just what was there for the Olympic and Paralympic Games, but a whole new raft of activity, from the University College London, the London College of Fashion. We've got the Victoria and Albert Museum moving in there. It's um, a very mixed set of uses which in a way are creating a new city centre. It's got great transport links. It is itself a wonderful piece of open space. And arguably, it has become a catalyst in what I think is happening to London, which is its shift from west to east. That division that John Nash was so insistent on making between the nobility to the west and the trading part of the community to the east is no longer so distinct and if you look at the 2021 census London is moving east population drops in places like Kensington and Chelsea and Camden and vast population increases in Tower Hamlets and much further east in Barking and Dagenham And it is arguable that that new piece of city designed around Stratford has been one of the reasons why that move has been possible and why possibly we are finally seeing something of a balancing out between the wealth of the West and the poverty that historically has been the East End of London. I'll leave you with that thought and to encourage you to come and experience and explore one of the earlier attempts to make this kind of change to London, which John Nash was responsible for at the very beginning of the 19th century.